glory, Sacramento! Hello, and welcome to the 916 Republic Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves. Today, we sat down and interviewed Sac Republic former assistant coach and current Reno assistant coach and video analysis, Chris Molineb. Uh, We talked to him about his time here at Sacramento, uh, his job as a video analyst, um, and what he's doing, uh, a little bit about what he's doing in Reno. Uh, we were able to talk to him about that infamous miracle at Bonnie Knight. He was there that inaugural season. It was a really interesting interview. Um, great insight. He's a very, very uh, intelligent man. And we also got to talk about, uh, he's, he's a man that's very vocal, very vulnerable with his own mental health and is a big advocate for um, mental health in the sports world, particularly the soccer world. And so I got to talk to him a little bit about that as well, which was super cool. So awesome interview. Excited for you guys to listen to it. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys to listen to it too. And I'm also excited to plug the social media accounts. So uh, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at 916 Republic. We are also on Patreon at patreon.com backslash 916Republic. Um, yeah, reach out to us. Uh, most of, we are we will we're active on all those platforms. So we look forward to talking with everyone, and I'm excited for this interview. All right, and I'd like to welcome Chris Maleneb. Is am I saying that right, Chris? Yeah, it's close enough. I, it's, it's kind of butchered all the time, so that's pretty close. I would love to hear the correct pronunciation. Malinab. Malinab. Exactly as it's spelled. Yeah. Awesome, Chris Malinab, our friend Chris. Um, man, how's your uh, how's your quarantine going over there? Uh, it's going. I mean, I feel like it's month six already. Um, without yes. <laughs> without games going on, without practice, um, it's. Honestly, it's pretty rough right now. It's, it's rough. So I know. So it, let me just let me just interject real quick. So obviously, this is a hard time for players. But like, how hard is this for coaches? Like, not having your daily routine and not being able to like you know be with uh, be with the team and everything. Oh, it's 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 really difficult, especially I think where it happened. Um, you know, obviously, we just finished a, a hard month of preseason. We play one game. And then suddenly yeah. it's like preseason or it's, it's like the off season again, but with no end date. Right. And so I think that's the toughest thing is that all the work that we did during the off season is already done, obviously signing players, watching video, talking to agents and, and planning for the season. And now there's literally nothing that we can really do as far as continuing the momentum that was already built over the last six weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's really tough right now with everything just, very up in the air. I think that's where a lot of people are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, uh, for those of you guys who don't know Chris, Chris spent time at SRFC as an assistant coach um, and then made a move over to Reno um, to be a co- an assistant coach there at Reno 1868. So, Chris, could you just tell us uh, what your position is now at Reno? Assistant coach and video analyst. So, I, I- I'm on the field every day. I'm on the bench during games, uh, break down a lot of film. But also on the same note, because we're the affiliate to San Jose Earthquakes, anytime we get a guy on loan or guys that are of interest to them, I actually break down their 
film of games they played with us, and then I sent it to the first team. Oh, okay. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, kind of working backwards from your time at Reno, uh, what exactly um, was your position with the Republic, and how did it change over the four years you were there under two different managers? So when I first came in with – well, I finished off as video analyst, but under Buckle – and then with Precky, I was an assistant coach that did some video. So I, I presented opponent scouting and things like that. But then once Buckle came in um, midway through 2015, I went full-time video analyst. So I was actually up, up top breaking the game down as it was going on and then presenting video at halftime to Paul and the other coaches and to some players, depending on what Paul wanted. Okay, cool. So I, I actually watched an interview with you, Chris, and you talked about um, – how you spend about 12 hours breaking down games. Uh, if there's one game in the week, you, you spend about 12 hours doing that. And if there was two games in the week, you'd spend about 20 hours breaking down game footage. Was that like towards the end of your time at Sacramento when you were just focusing on video analysis or was that like in the beginning as well? Oh, that was in the beginning as well. Making sure that, you know, I feel as an assistant coach, I needed to know tendencies. I needed to know players. I needed to know individual player habits. I needed to know substitution patterns. Um, set pieces, anything of that nature, including scouting penalty kicks on which way the guys tend to go. And, um, and especially as you start getting into the playoffs and it's, then it's probably spending more like 15 to 18 hours just on one team watching over the course of the season. So earlier in the season, it's less time because there's less games to watch, but as the season builds on, then you're looking at more and more time because there's more games and more substitutions, more moments to, to really break down. So, yeah, it's even when Precky was still there, I was doing that. And even with in the college game, it was difficult to get film in the college game. But those are things that I felt as an assistant coach, it, it was part of my job and, and responsibility to make sure that I had everything available to present to the head coach. And whether the head coach used it or not, I knew that I did my job presenting everything that was, I thought, valuable. Nice. And, and you and bring up Precky and Buckle. I would love to like get your... I guess just kind of perspective on, you know, what were some big differences between Precky and Buckle kind of from a tactical perspective? Uh, tactical standpoint, I mean, with, with Precky, um, obviously he liked to bomb on the outside backs. He liked to create with, with the outside backs. He wanted the midfielders to kind of tuck in and, and play, play more inverted. He wanted one four to play underneath the other one, you know, kind of playing with a true nine um, mm -hmm. when possible. Um, center backs, he wanted them to have good feet um, and really took chances, really left space open for counterattacks. We gave up goals. There's no hidden secret. We gave up goals under Precky, but we scored a lot of goals. You yeah. know, with Paul, it was a little bit more balanced, I'd say, with um, trying to make sure that we kept four in the back, um, maybe on occasion sending, you know, a player like James Kiffey down, down the wing uh, to hit across. But for the most part, I think it was a little safer uh, in attack, making sure that there were three connected in the back the entire time. And then in the midfield, you know, I think both Precky and, and Paul kind of allowed for a kind of a free flowing midfield with forwards, especially as we got into the attacking third. But mm -hmm. I think the biggest difference between the two is the way that we attacked out of the back um, and how we play, how we kept players connected. Um, Paul also, he liked to drop his line a little bit more than, than Precky did uh, while Precky liked to press as quickly as possible to try to win it and, try to keep the ball in their attack, in their defensive half, um, our attacking half, um, to try to counter a goal really, um, fairly quickly. So 
um, you know, both of them were unique styles. Both of them were different. Not one was right or wrong. Uh, just, just different. You know, each manager has their own preference and, uh, to credit to both of them, they, they had their philosophy and that's what they taught. So then really quickly, um, Precky kind of left abruptly in, I think it was the middle of the, the season, if I remember correctly, and nobody kind of understands or knows, uh, why that happened. Could you speak to that at all? Or is that still uh, sensitive information? Well, I, I, to this day, Precky and I actually, when we played Tacoma, the one game that we played in the USL, Precky and I went and grabbed some coffee because he's an assistant coach with the Sounders. Um, now there was a lot going on uh, during that time, and I really don't know how much he would want shared with it, but there were just things lined up and uh, teams that were supposed to be purchased by an ownership group that wanted to bring him in, and the sale fell through. And so that's kind of where where things ended. Um, you know, there's no hidden secret. He was leaving uh, July of 2015 and going and making his way um, to Europe. And so um, that's kind of what, what happened. And, you know, unfortunately it didn't happen for him and we were all pretty excited. Um, the, the few that he told exactly what the plan was and, and we were devastated when, when he called and, and told us it's not going to happen, you know, and, and it, it, it created an opportunity for him in other ways, but obviously to get to Europe and, and coach there was something of his, his dream and his passion, but it doesn't mean that it's, it's out of the picture, even though that happened, you know, four years ago, five years ago. So then just to follow up on that a little bit, had the club already decided to uh, bring on Paul Buckle or um, was, was there a chance that Precky could have stayed with the Republic or had that ship, uh, already sailed at that point no they had already um brought in um paul and hadn't announced him until i believe it was like the day after or two days after that Precky had announced that he was leaving so you know the the club had had moved on and um and the same thing was that it, it didn't happen over a course of a day you know Precky had already gone to europe and he was there and i was talking to him um almost every every other day and he he was adamant that it was going to happen and we were just sitting and waiting for him to make the official announcement and and unfortunately it didn't happen you know i think it was going to be a great opportunity for him and obviously um out of respect to paul Precky said hey it's paul's team it's uh you know it's going to be a different style but he's he's the chief now you know of the club so um Precky really didn't want to you know make those calls because of the fact that he was respecting that he had left the club had allowed him to leave, um, you know, through his contract and, um, he didn't want to be a distraction to, to what Paul was trying to do once Paul, uh, took the helm in Sacramento. Yeah. I, I, I think it's great. We get a, it's great to hear your perspective, Chris. Um, but I do want to kind of pivot a little bit and go back to your time, um, at Reno. And I was just curious, kind of, you know, what brought you to Reno in the first place a couple years ago? Well, the biggest thing was, for me, it was an opportunity. Um, I had met Jesse uh, Ferriani, for, who's the general manager of the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, just like players want to try to advance themselves to the next level, coaches want to do the same. And for me, my family, and where I was in my career, thought that was the best opportunity to be more hands-on with an affiliate you know, Sacramento was obviously an affiliate, but it was it was 
ran in a different way that affiliates are ran. Um, the -hmm. quakes are more hands-on in the way that Reno is structured. And so, um, having an opportunity to coach under Ian Russell, who's been an earthquakes lifer, except for the, you know, season that he was with the, the galaxy and towards the end of his career. Um, I thought it was a perfect opportunity, perfect environment to give myself an opportunity to, to develop relationships in major league soccer. Absolutely. And just a question for you too, as well, like kind of um, we've seen from the Republic and then after Reno 1868 established themselves as a club, we saw guys like James Kiffey, Matt LaGrasa, Emma Clementa um, make the move over to 1868. Were you at all involved in those kind of uh, decisions? Uh, James Kiffey. So when Matt LaGrasa went there, that was in 2017. I was still with, with Sacramento. Okay. Um, but from 2018, James Kiffey obviously came in, um, played a few games until he, he broke uh, broke his foot. Um, in 2019, obviously, we had Emmer Clemento, um, Dom Jakubic also uh, came on. Um, yeah, I, I was very hands-on with bringing those guys in. Um, they're players that I trusted, players yeah. that I knew that could make an impact onto our roster. And, you know, fortunately, um, Ian saw the same thing in those players. And because Ian, Ian did a lot of homework, um, even prior to fielding his first team in 2017, he knew these players. And so it was an easy move to, you know, pick up the phone and say, hey, you guys interested? We're interested in you bring, in bringing you guys up to, to Reno. So it was an easy, easy move for those guys and, and for us to, to bring them in. For sure. And, and, and in your time with the Republic, were you around when Cameron Awasa first came into the club? I was. That was 2015 uh, when he came in. Um, you know, Cameron, um, even even seeing Cameron as a, as a high school player, uh, because yeah. I coached high school in, in Sacramento. Um, oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, and I coached uh, youth soccer. And so I was, I was, you know, I had an opportunity to see him, see him play and, and kind of yeah, grow up grow, in it. Yeah. And, yeah. And I'll be honest, like when I heard he was doing really well at um, UC Irvine, I, I had to think for a second. I was like, well, I thought he was really focused on baseball. And come to find oh, out wow. it was a, yeah, because he was, he was a really good baseball player as well. Um, but, you know, come to find out that, yeah, he had a stellar career, was, you know, on, his, on the pathway to, to becoming a pro. And so that was, uh, that was fun to, to see. The only, uh, the only downside is he went to the other uh, private school in Sacramento. I went to Christian Brothers and he went to Jesuit. So that's the only, the only flaw in Cameron Owasso. <laughs> a healthy rivalry. Um, <laughs> Uh, also, Chris, I really wanted to ask you, um, so in our quarantine time, me, Scott, and Nolan, uh, we, spent some, we, we spent some time reviewing a game, a game we affectionately refer to as the Miracle at Bonnie. Um, and you, I think, have a unique perspective being that you were there and you were a coach during this game. So what was that, what was that like for you personally being involved um, and just kind of take us back to that night? Oh, it was... Obviously, it was a special night, right? As we yeah. finished off that season, you know, we we obviously get the the first playoff game, and then um, Orlando loses, and so we knew that okay, we keep rolling through this thing. We get through the semifinal, we're gonna host a championship game. Yeah, you know, and so going into it, that's what we thought. That's what we we knew. We knew that 
um, LA Galaxy was not going to be an easy opponent. And so, you know, we prepared as much as we could. And I still remember, you know, that second goal going in for them. And it was, uh-huh. it was like, I got punched in the gut right yeah. on the bench. It was, and then, so we go into halftime going down to zero and usually Preki just wants to, okay, what do you see? What do you think? What do you think? You know, he talks to the staff. He, he looks at us and says, what do you, and there was none of that. Mm. There was none, none of that. And, and this is where I think Preki is a very good um, manager of men. Uh-huh. He, he does a really good, really good job of reading the room. You know, he, he looks at it and all that halftime talk was, men, it's up to you. You have 45 minutes. Who wants it? Who's going to turn this game? Who's going to carry the squad? Guys looked at each other. You know, they got, they got pumped up. And he said, it's, it's all about us. It's all about you. If you want it, you turn this game in 45 minutes. No tactics, no, no talk of we need to be better at pressing it. It was all about how much passion do you have? And that's one thing that Preki to this day that he influences me so much is, is to continue to have that passion and, and really make that um, contagious in the locker room. And so I always go back to that halftime talk. And, and what would I say is the, the biggest 45 minutes in the history of the club. And obviously, yeah. you know, Roro finds the first one, then gets the second one. And then, you know, the, the rain starts coming down during that second half. And it was yeah. almost like a, a scene out of a movie. Right. And then here we go. We get it on this free kick. And it, it was so funny. It was like the staff on the bench. It's almost like we knew it was going in, like before it even happened. Uh, like yeah. we, I remember looking over at Antonio Sutton, one of the other assistants going, we're going to the final. Like we both kind of looked at each other like, yeah, we're going, we're, we're going to the championship. And sure enough, obviously, you know, it's like a movie. Um, it's, it, you couldn't script it any better, right? Like a movie. It's no, you it know, really Roro, was. Yeah. Roro hits that. And then, you know, outside of that goal happening, I just remember looking over and, and I think it's still on that uh, kind of that video or the commercial that went in for the final where he's jumping the boards and Warren Smith is right there, yep. you know, in the whole team. And I think even just thinking about that moment and, and talking about it brings, it brings chills back, you know, and, and it's, 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 it's a really special time and you really can't, can't describe, describe how kind of, interesting it was that myself and one of the other assistants just looks at each other and like we got this and and there was no panic and i remember Preki, you know pretty calm never really celebrated and then that that goes in and it was it was celebration time i mean yeah. we you know i think for the most part like the bench as as a coaching staff was was calm and then yeah and that was that goal goes in and everything just just erupts. I mean, I remember the the entire stadium and the team and, you know, like I said, that just that final moment of Roro jumping over the the boards and, and Warren Smith right there, I think describes everything, right? It was all about passion. It was all about just take, just see, you know, just, just taking advantage of the opportunity and the moment and living yeah. with it and, and enjoying it. And that's what it was. I think it was 45 minutes of fun. From the bench uh-huh. to the fans to to being on the on the on the field, it was just about all right. Here's a moment. Let's take advantage of it. We get to write our own 
kind of history, our own story. We got 45 minutes. Let's do it. You know, and, and it's a credit to the guys. No one quit. Everyone just kept on, you know, fighting along. Yeah, I I think that's it's well said. And I think, yeah, it's interesting you bring up it felt like a movie because it did. It felt like destiny, really. And and I think even in, in just, I think a great example of that is, is when Justin Braun comes on in, in, at halftime. You know, yeah. is somebody that had been out. He had been out with a with a foot injury, I believe, at the time. He had been out. For like it wasn't just weeks. a foot injury. He actually had a fracture still going into that game. That's so what you I want to talk to about you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, was that decision a decision made before the game to bring him on at halftime, or was that a decision made at halftime? It was. We have him as an option. You know, we have him as an option. It was one of those. Okay, we talked to him. What do you feel? You know can you can you start can you go 90 minutes 45 minutes what what do you have yeah and then it was one of those like one of the spur of the moment things of like no questions asked you know Preki was another man that just kind of looked at looked at a player's face and knew mm-hmm. that this guy could you know there's going to be no excuses he was going to get the job done he was going to step on you know it wasn't going to be about oh i have a fracture i'm playing with it um and it was again it was like one of those like I wish they could have filmed the locker room, to be honest. It was, it was just one of those moments that it was a no-brainer. You, you bring your captain on, and the guy that has MLS experience, the guy that has done wonders, you know, he scored the first goal in, in club history down in L.A. Um, we put him on for, for the 45 minutes that we can write our story. And, you know, he came on and, and you know, worked for 45 and, you know, contributed to, to what he had to do to help the team. Yeah, and you see that so clearly. I think, um, at least rewatching the game, like I saw that you, Justin Braun stepping onto that field was a leader stepping on, saying we're getting this done and we're doing it together. Um, and yeah, it just like you said, it felt like a movie. I think that is just a great example of it. it felt like destiny. Well, Chris, anything else to say, guys? Anything else you'd like to ask? I have a question. Yeah. So, oh, oh, go sorry. for it, Alan. So, Chris, you were doing were you doing video analysis for Preki um, for that game against the Galaxy in the playoffs? Yeah. So the the way that Preki wanted uh, video is much different than what Paul wanted and what Ian huh. wants, you know. And so um, it was interesting is that Preki was about just okay, meat and potatoes, right? Like don't waste time. So it was always couple clips of how they attack, how they defend, uh, set pieces, and primarily their set pieces on defense. How can we exploit their, you know, their, um, their wall or their marking or whatever it is. And so, um, and those are the, you know, I'd like to say that some of the clips that, <laughs> that I showed to, to Roro <laughs> created that opportunity, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, a good player like Roro, you know, he reads the, reads the environment and, and puts it yeah. away but um uh, but yeah you know preckies are, are very like you know meat and potatoes that's it let's 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 get to it and um one thing that i did respect out of Precky was that at the beginning of the year he would ask me to show him what i was going to present and then as we started you know building trust and getting to know each other it was all right you deliver it and so i would i would get to deliver it you know obviously i would show Precky certain things and then he would say okay deliver what you need to make sure it's short so, yeah. um, so I was able to put some stuff together and, and yeah. Dang. So 
like for example, Roro's third goal in that game, um, it was on a set like a uh, is a free kick from right outside the eighteen. Had you you so you had reviewed how the Galaxy would line up in that situation with the players before the game, or that that was more, um, yeah. Did, could you say you had a hand a little bit in preparing the players for that situation? Or um, yeah, I would like to. I, I would like to say <laughs> that you know I gave I gave players the information that that they needed, you know, yeah. and obviously it's at, at that point it's, it's how, how they use it, how they apply it. You know, it's just like anything yeah. else, like any, any other piece of practice, you know, videos, another um, resource that players use. But like I said, yeah. you got a player like, like Roro that is season that he's seen those, those opportunities. He scores goals. He's a good player. Um, I'm sure you probably didn't even think about, you know, what he saw on video and yeah. just knew I just got to hit it, you know? So then with uh, your the conversation about uh, video, what are the things that you look for when you are breaking down film? And I ask that really for the three of us. So like w- when there's a game uh, you know, in the upcoming weekend or whatever, the three of us will sit down and we'll watch film from that team to try to break it down to know what to expect. But we kind of want to hear from the professional, like what are the yeah. things that we should be looking for when we're watching film of another team? Um, obviously, you know, you look at, you kind of look at it from like 10,000 feet, right? So you kind of watch it without necessarily breaking it down. You kind of look for general system of play personnel. So I'll watch each game about three to four times, um, you know, depending on, on how much time I have during the week. And so I'll, like I said, I start from about 10,000 feet up and just kind of look down. Okay. What's the primary system? You know, who are the players on the field? Do they like to build out? Do they like to play direct? Do they like to play a low block, middle block, or high pressing uh, defense? And then start to clip it down even even more and more. Um, you know, I'll look at, okay, what players' tendencies are there? You know, is it a player that does he always look to open his hips if he's receiving it, you know, from a center back to the left back? What's that left back looking for? Is he looking to hook it down the line or is he looking to interact with maybe a um, – a midfielder that's checking to him or checking away. What are the movements of the forwards um, in relation to where the ball is in certain, you know, certain areas. And so basically I'll grid out the field and then kind of look at where players are in relation to where the ball is on attack. Um, And then I'll do the same thing on defense. Um, Where is it in relation? And then I'll start breaking down, you know, once the run of play stuff is done, um, then I'll start looking at set pieces. I'll look at, you know, how they defend on thrones, how they throw the ball in, how do they, um, you know, the corners, their free kicks, their penalty kicks, their, um, all those different things. And just look for natural habits of players. Um, so it really is going from, you know, all 22 players, um, you know, in what in any given game that I'm going to watch, look at the 11 players, obviously for the team that I'm scouting and then, um, breaking it down, um, from there. And, and, and the thing is, is watching games. I don't just watch like, you know, let's say Sac Republic's playing San Antonio. If I'm trying to scout Sac Republic, I want to make sure that who they're playing plays a similar style as we do, because if San Antonio mm-hmm. plays completely opposite of us, then it doesn't help me to see how Sac Republic um, reacts to the way a certain system of play is applied. So it's, it's not about just watching games. It's about watching games that, suit your style that another team maybe is very similar in the habits that they have to your habits 
So you can see how a team reacts or responds to the way that that opponent plays. Awesome. Thanks. Well, Zach, did you have any uh, other questions? Um, oh, well, Chris, do you have a, a few more minutes? Yeah, yeah, I, I got time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Zach, do you have any more questions? Uh, honestly, Chris, to wrap it up, you know, in, in my kind of time of uh, just just researching and preparing for this episode, I've seen that you're very vocal, very um, very outspoken about, you know, mental health. Um, and I, honestly, I would just love to commend you for that. I think that's so important, um, especially with athletes. I've been an athlete my whole life, and I think it's just such a tendency for athletes to when it comes to, cause they have a lot, a lot of stuff going on, especially student athletes when it comes to, you know, mental health, it's easy to stuff that. And, and it's, I think it's important not to, and it's important to be um, wise about your own mental health. So I just would love to, you know, just kind of hear your perspective on that. Yeah. You know, you talk about not, not being very open about it, you know, as far as, you know, typically in, in the locker room. And, and I think that's, I think that, um, that yeah. stigma has changed, right. you got players like Kevin Love, um, yeah. that are definitely, you know, that started the Kevin Love Foundation that's looking to promote it. You've got NBA teams that it's mandated that they have um, access. Each team has access to um, a therapist, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, I saw something, I think the Dodgers were, were, were doing something with, they were hiring like a, a therapy team. Um, you know, for me, yeah, it's sometimes I think people are, are like, well, you're kind of over the top with, with sharing so much and posting so much, whether it's on Twitter, on Instagram or whatever. Um, but for me, it's part of my, it's, it's part of my, uh, path to recovery. Obviously there's, there's no hidden secret. If you just Google me, um, there was a, a suicide attempt, um, in, you know, a year from this last January, um, that happened here in Sacramento, um, during the off season, um, between seasons in Reno. And for me, I think it was, you know, being outspoken about it now is, is 13 years since I was diagnosed now, 14 years since I, I was diagnosed of, of hiding it. You know, I, mm-hmm. it was when I was first um, seeing a therapist, you know, 14 years ago and, and taking medication and, and doing all the I get the self-care um, that is kind of prescribed, not, whether I believed it or not. I, I yeah. just kind of went with it. Um, it was to a point where I I would like get to my therapist's office. I would sit in my car for a couple minutes, look around, make sure no one saw me. And then I would quickly get into the office as quickly as possible so no one would see me. Yeah. Um, and and you know over the years that took its toll and i think if i could come out and you know be very open and honest about my story and my experiences and and living with bipolar disorder um which by the way today is national um bipolar disorder awareness day um oh wow yeah so you know i think if i can help someone realize that they're not alone just like how i felt for 14 years or 13 years before my suicide attempt um, then I think being outspoken is, is something that's that's definitely helping, um, you know, someone and, and that person might help someone else and that, you know, and, and so on the domino effect. And we slowly um, tear down the walls of, of the stigma that circulates around mental health. And, and here's the thing is that everybody has mental health, just like physical health. Right. And, and I think one yeah, thing exactly. that we need to understand, there are mental health challenges. Right. Just like mm-hmm. how people have like, you know if you're coming back from an injury, right, you have physical challenges that, that you're trying to overcome. And it's the same thing with mental health. There's mental health challenges. It's, you know, it's just part of us. It's, it's not who we are, right? Like I use the term, I, 
like even on my Twitter, on my bio, it says living with bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. I'm not bipolar. Yeah, I live with bipolar disorder. You know, it's just, and so I think educating people with a with the language and and the verbiage, I think is critical. And and for me, that's you know I want to use my platform as much as possible, um, and 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 hope to, you know, like I said, um, kind of break down the stigma and and make it a normal uh, conversation in in society or at least in, in the communities in which which I work with because I think it's a it's an important thing that. Um, like you said, athletes kind of hide it. Well, yeah. Why should athletes hide it? You exactly. know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not something to, to, to be ashamed of, you know, if you have, yep. you know, if you, if you have a back injury, you're going to go and, and go see a PT, right? What's the difference, you know, physical therapist and a, and a licensed therapist, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're working on yourself to better yourself. So I, I don't think there should be any, any stigma behind um, people um, that are doing things to better themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a spot that I found myself in. I was, a, I was in a pretty bad spot about a year and a half ago and I started going to counseling and initially there was that shame and, and I didn't, I didn't want people to know I was going to counseling and I was a very similar, like, how can I get into my, get in and out of my counseling sessions without being seen? Cause it was, it was at my college campus and I hit a point where I was like, you know what? No, like this is helping me right now this is helping me a lot and I want people to know about it. And, and this shame I feel I is, I don't feel it's justified. And, and I want other people to know that too, that that stigma and that, that shame is, it doesn't have to be there. Um, and so, yeah, really, I could, I just commend you, Chris, for your outspokenness with your own personal mental health and just uh, that uh, stigmatism in the, in the athletic community. Um, yeah. So thank yeah, no, you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and obviously, you know, I'm not a professional in, in mental health therapy, but um, there's there have been players and other coaches throughout the United Soccer League that have reached out that sometimes people just want just want a conversation without being judged. And so, exactly, yeah. you know, my DMs are open. Um, you know, they can find me on Twitter or Instagram um, at Chris Malinab. And, and if, if someone just needs an ear without being judged, uh, I'm here. You know, I think sometimes it's easier for conversations to happen between strangers than it is with maybe your best friend or, you know, a brother or sister or, or someone in your family, because you feel mm-hmm. like, Oh, I need to be this kind of person in front of that, you know, in yeah. front of them. But with a stranger, if, if you lie to them, Hey, you're just lying to yourself. That stranger doesn't know any, any difference. So, mm-hmm. so like I said, if, if, you know, someone out there that listens to this podcast that um, feels, Hey, I just need to talk to even a stranger that kind of gets it, that lives, that lives with it. My DMS are open. That's awesome, Chris. And I and I, I love hearing that. And I think the culture is starting to change <laughs> as far as the kind of athletic community. Um, and it is that shame and that stigma is starting to uh, diminish a little bit. And it's because of people like you, Chris. So thank you so much, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you letting me, you know, not just talk about soccer, but talk about things a little bit more serious and, you know, and something that I think needs to be addressed in, in society. So yeah, really appreciate absolutely. the time. Hey, man. Uh, try and stay sane in this quarantine, you know, I, I, you know, just play as much FIFA as you can. Um, eh, that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Just use this time to better myself in the FIFA game. Uh, Uh, you know what I actually, um, I just tweeted something out today. I I ordered something. Um, I ordered a lawnmower during this quarantine. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that's going to come anytime soon. (laughs) No, no, no. I got it today. 
I ordered oh, it really? on Amazon oh, okay, Prime. Cool. Yeah, oh, it came nice. in. <laughs> nice. So I, I've been taking on um, cutting my lawn. And then I was using like a head trimmer. And then... Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, yeah, but it, it, you know, I got some extra time to, to do it, use a trimmer anyways. But um, And then pruning, pruning trees. So I'm actually bettering myself by uh, helping grow trees and, um, and keeping my lawn nice and manicured. So bettering the environment at the same time. Thank Much you. more productive than my FIFA endeavors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else to say, guys? No, Chris, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. It was a, it was a pleasure. So thanks so much. Really yeah, thanks it. for having me on, guys. Thank you, Chris. Totally. All right. Thanks, Chris. Yep, thank you.